Welcome to the Feel Better Make It podcast. Real life, real women, no shame. We take it from drop it like it's hot to I can't get off the toilet. In this podcast, we tackle questions about real issues women have to face with their body, life, love, and their career. Every week, Dr. Letitia and Dr. Jennifer, both physical therapists and business owners, will share from their life experiences and expertise on their journey to feeling better naked. Join us as we ask the questions you've never asked and have fun while doing it. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Feel Better Naked podcast. Today is our part two series on women's healthcare disparities, particularly in black women. Today we're going to be talking about prenatal and postpartum care for women, black women in our country, and the um, discrepancies there. Dr. Letitia, how are you doing? Uh, doing well, you know, we're chugging along. I think we probably in the last few weeks, we've probably had like some very bipolar wet, uh, weather here in Indiana for sure, like six degrees one day and then it goes 30 degrees. So you get excited for a second and then you're like, oh, it's still winter time. Just, jo- just joking. It's still winter. So <laughs> back and yes. forth with, with, uh, temperatures probably, probably at the time it's recording, it'll be a couple weeks. Uh, my youngest son now became a teenager. So now I have a 13 year old in the house. So nothing's really changed that way. It's still um, farts, food, and video games is pretty much the sequence um, <laughs> that we go that we go through. <laughs> Dave, how about you? Yeah, doing good. We're same down in Georgia. We're a little bit more south of you, but it's super hot here and then yeah winter's coming again in a few days so we are just um starting spring sports with all the kids in georgia they have lots of breaks because we don't get snow days so we had like a full week off of school and then had to get them back on schedule we have a break in march and a break we just a lot of breaks so getting these kids to wake up in the morning got to drag my one daughter wants me to put a wet washcloth on her face to wake her up and it doesn't work. <laughs> so anyways, we're doing good. All healthy, all's well. I'm excited to talk to you today about this topic because it's just not talked about enough. And um, these statistics are very unsettling and disturbing of the discrepancies between white and black women in this country in regards to prenatal and postpartum care. So um, I just wanted to have you start in on the conversation and and we'll just keep talking about what in the world is going on. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, it's one of those uh, things that now it seems like it's like, oh my gosh, it's flashing a light on it. This is actually occurring. There's, I've been seeing a lot more like research and some grant opportunities up to, out there to be able to figure out what are these disparities and why are they continuing to, to occur? You know, the United States is definitely a progressive country the technology that we have the leader that we are in things but we still can't get past pregnant in childbirth we can't have selfie you know all our the numbers are staggering so what i've been able to see is that about 700 women die from complications related to pregnancy or childbirth and this puts us the us in last place when it comes to all the developed nations and one of the other sad things is that these deaths are almost entirely preventable. So 
Based on the CDC, African-American women, it confirms that there's significantly higher pregnancy-related mortality ratios among Black, American Indian, and Alaskan women. It's actually two to three more times likely than for white women. And guess what? These gaps have not changed over time. These gaps are not having to do with socioeconomic. It doesn't matter how much money you make. If you have a doctorate degree, all across the board, it's still we're still having staggering um, numbers. And then the population that we speak to, definitely women over age 35, uh, especially if we're in our older 30s, it actually goes up to four to five times greater as far as the mortality rate. Um, wow. So those that are having um, more, you know, pregnancies older th after age 35, that risk just shoots up dramatically. Wow. Yeah. And it's I, in the United States, it being the most developed country, one of the most progressive countries in the entire world, they, we perform very poorly in general with vaginal births as well and having good prenatal and more importantly in this country, postpartum care. Because a lot of these mortalities, when we're talking about women um, dying, it's that postpartum phase. Um, and so we've talked a little bit in our last episode about um, being listened to and believed when you're saying that you're in pain. I've had the privilege of helping women postpartum in the line of work I do as a pelvic physical therapist. A lot of, uh, I would say a fair amount of individuals do come to me postpartum because of some type of trauma. Trauma could be, women think that, oh, maybe that's like tearing after delivering, but trauma, for some of my clients, I had a, an African-American woman who had delivered in Atlanta, but was never really listened to postpartum. And she was really scared that she didn't recover well because she wasn't listened to. And that can be a traumatic experience. And so she wasn't pooping because every time, and if you all don't poop out there, you know that that's super uncomfortable. But every time, mind you, she was nine months postpartum. Every time she go to poop, she thought she was going to tear. And so constipated for two weeks at a time. And that's, of course, she, she lived, thankfully. But the system... And people that are listening to this, I think that the most important thing is that we all need to be aware of these statistics and and be a part of the change that needs to happen. Even if you don't think you have those beliefs or you wouldn't treat anyone that differently, this is the facts. This is what the CDC is saying. And the state of Georgia that I'm in is actually a, one of the worst states in the country for mortality rate postpartum. And so uh, it's just disheartening. So, yeah, tell me more about your experience maybe in the hospital or family members or patients that you've had. Yeah, I think uh, kind of going back to kind of what the system is set up and then a lot of people, they end up getting, uh, when these discussions came up, they end up getting offended and I'm automatically think, oh, that's not me. Or yeah. I wouldn't do anything like that. Or no, I never had that experience before. I think maybe they're just being a little sensitive. Maybe it has nothing to do with race. Maybe because that person had this and had that going on. Maybe that's that's the reason why. Is bringing on these discussions and being able to understand that guess what? It starts with the individual and being able to recognize that you have a, a voice. You can be an advocate for your health. And that guess what? Everything, just because it's not been your experience, 
It shouldn't just be shaken off as, oh, that's just, you know, that's just outliers. That just, you know, happens very rarely. And it's, it's not happening very rarely um, as we see. And we have that, you know, that essentially institutional racism that has been perpetuated years after years, especially when it comes to um, being able to have the right resource for pain. Uh, there's always been some deficits or actually where, you know, I guess there were some teachings in, in medical school, even back when they were doing experiments and not giving, you know, African-Americans pain medicine. Oh, yeah, they have a higher pain tolerance or they can handle X, Y, Z or they don't experience pain the same way that we do. And that was literally based on race. And a lot of times it was based on um, what they thought people's intelligence levels were yeah oh no they won't be able to understand that you know their their brains are different or things like that and let's let's remember that this was not that long ago people yeah Uh, i'll just tell you my my husband's grandmother she's still living um the things she she was born in 1926 and the things that she shared with us on a car ride once i'm like what just her not understanding that we're all the same as human beings there aren't she doesn't believe totally in equality but she's she's 95 and whatever but that being said what dr letitia did mention was this is a systemic thing and what we are taught by what our teachers show us what family members show us what tv shows show us that you better really check your thoughts when you start to view someone and it's that self-awareness, um, certainly that's um, really important of, you know, how you're, you're thinking. And whether you have friends or you're a healthcare provider, you're a teacher, or you work wherever you work, that it's really trying not to go into situations with assumptions. But going back to, you know, postpartum care it's super important you know the world health organization has recommended that women get a visit from a ob or their midwife three days after seven to 14 days after six weeks after and one of those being a home visit and getting screened for back pain (laughs) and in the united states Women, if they're lucky, will see someone four to six weeks, four to six weeks postpartum. That, that telling you, four weeks after you've been discharged from the hospital or birth center. This is not applicable to home births in our country, but this is a hospital birth situation. So what's all the things that can happen in between? We know there's mood disorders, there's pain disorders, there's depletion, but more importantly, heart. Are they recovering? And are we hemorrhaging? Is there an infection? So these deaths are typically coming from um, the uterus wasn't fully, or I'm sorry, the placenta wasn't fully delivered. So now we're having sepsis. We're having uncontrolled heart rate and blood pressure issues. So now we're having strokes and heart attacks. And these are educated women. There are stories out there, people of women that are black women that have their doctorate, that are college educated, that have advocated for themselves. It doesn't, like Dr. Letitia was saying, you're, not not to say that you're maybe thinking this, but people will start making assumptions or maybe they didn't do the prenatal care like they were supposed to. Just really think about what you start. Oh, because you, your brain's going to try to put reason to why did they actually pass away? Did they not advocate? Did they not 
listen to the doctor. No, these are like educated people who did all of their, their visits. And I can't, you can't generalize, but there's, you know, a fair amount of these women were doing all of the things. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important, like you said, to, to recognize that kind of check what your, your bias uh, is, you know, oh, they didn't do this and do that. It's kind of similar, which is a whole nother ball, another can open. It's kind of similar to, you know, anything with the police and making stops on someone that may be black in the car making a stop and something occurs during that traffic stop and the individuals outside of that will automatically say, oh, well, they were doing something wrong. Or guess what? They were a criminal anyway. So that's what happens. Like leading up to that whole thing, they were just driving the car just like you would have been driving in the car. Now, after the fact is, oh, let's bring up the history of this, or they had to be doing something wrong. That's why they, that's why this occurred. So jumping to those conclusions and you're not being aware of the situation, that's some of the things that have been built into how you grew up, your life experiences, maybe how your parents, maybe how other healthcare parents, and then sometimes it's just not even, you, there's no way you can be aware. If you're not in my skin, Every day, you won't be able to recognize those things or that it won't even be apparent to you. So it kind of goes back to um, being open to the discussion, finding a trusted friend to be able to have those discussions to see what can I do to help with shaping this narrative? Because the system itself, the system changing won't probably be in our life, in our life span, (laughs) but individuals changing and bringing the discussions, checking themselves, being able to be open and doing that's where the change is going to occur. And another complication that's also seen too is that a lot of um, women, black women that are could be also in that category is also coming into with already um, pre-conditions pre, um, already. So maybe already have high blood pressure, may already be pre-diabetic, may be of advanced maternal age after 35. So you already have some comorbidities or actually other conditions that play a role into what that care looks like, but that also is not being taken into account. If you already have conditions, why would you not have some additional care, additional education because of that? And like you said, four weeks after, I mean, six weeks after, maybe. And then I think you mentioned in other episodes about the the follow-ups for the child. You know, yeah. a full year follow up, mama, you just hung out to dry. You get that six week checkups. All right, you're okay to start exercising again. Well, a lot of times at that point, exercising is the last, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unless yeah. you really want to get back to it. You're not thinking about exercise. You're thinking about I'm, my hormones are still going crazy. I have a newborn at home. I'm trying to figure out all the things and trying to do the best you can as a mother. But that care is just it goes down, down, down. And I'm that's so surprising that the World Health Organization has those guidelines set because I've never seen that. Like my youngest is about to be, or going to be 13. There was no mama follow-ups outside of that six-week <laughs> visit. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, what we are also dealing with in this country is a broken healthcare system that is solely dictated on, well, largely dictated on what insurance companies will and will not help with. And to be honest with you, you know, people have to get paid to see patients 
and patients need help sometimes, particularly with that postpartum recovery. So in this country, we just don't talk about it. White women, black women, Latino women, Alaskan Americans, Native Americans, it's just not talked about in the hospital setting that that where most people are really delivering in this country and the dairying rate in the united states is is the one of the highest in the entire world um and so it's it's a lot of fear from providers i, I truly believe on malpractice um making sure that their their patient is safe and then um i also just think that the one visit postpartum to you is just what insurance is going to potentially pay for. And I'll let you know, a lot of women don't go to that four to six week checkup. So they just never get seen, but where a lot of these women are actually passing away are going to be within the first two weeks postpartum. So remember the world health and world health organization stated was three days postpartum and then seven to 14 days, because that's where infection's going to start Mm -hmm. hemorrhaging. And that's one of the biggest things that women are bleeding out and then they're dying from blood loss that's what it's coming down to and if we're not you know six weeks doesn't mean you're done postpartum but those first few weeks are crucial to making sure mom stays healthy yeah it's it's funny i just when you were talking about that just sitting here i was like wow after you have a joint replacement surgery you are seen more often than after you've had a baby Joint replacement surgeries used to, uh, you know, older standards, like when I was in PT school, probably too, I did a whole rotation that was um, an inpatient acute care, and it was all um, joint replacements and spine um, surgeries. So the same routine, it was a three-day stay. It was first day, you know, of surgery, then it was, hey, we got them up at a certain point. Then we hit another milestone the next day, a certain amount of uh, feet that they would walk. Then the next day, it was a three-day protocol that all of the joint um, uh, surgeries went through. Total knee replacement, hip replacement. We had the procedures down. And it was three days in the hospital. Now, after you have a baby, have given life, have something ripped, your uterus is ripped. Ripped out. <laughs> And boom, all right, you're feeling good. All right, you're discharged tonight or the next day or under whatever the the hours or something like that. You have more care for a spine surgery, for a knee replacement, which those are elective. I mean, obviously your quality of life is affected, but you have something as serious as, as bringing a child to the earth and you get no type of... Uh, follow up nothing like I said the, the coverage people are dictated on the coverage you don't get any type of follow-up care and the mom is just essentially neglected yeah yeah it's and that's I think what what we're also talking about global well in the United States this is an issue but African-American women are being um, not taken care of the same way and that's that's truly what we all need to start doing is really looking at, you know, one of the biggest things is just not being, being quiet about what you hear from others saying and making sure you, um, 
if you're in the, you know, I'm in the, the pelvic PT world, so a lot of it is me supporting my colleagues who happen to also be black women that are pelvic physical therapists trying to pave the path and become doulas. And that's another thing that if anyone's listening and is pregnant, if you are um, an African-American woman pregnant right now listening, I think the biggest thing is, and I would tell this to any woman, is to have a person that can advocate whether that, and unfortunately in the United States, um, the pandemic wasn't allowing uh, support people in with you, but it's making sure you have an advocate, whether that is a birth doula or a family member, um, so that you can have someone just on your, your side and, um, supporting you through all of it. Because when you're really tired postpartum, you're not, and if you're, if you have blood loss, let me just tell you. You're not going to be able to think clearly because you don't have the blood in your body like you need. So it's, you know, having your partner on board and having your support people and asking for help and really knowing in this country you've got to advocate for yourself to get the care that you want and deserve. And um, and so I know that Dr. Letitia and I had talked a little bit about our, well, our personal experiences, but your experience giving birth to your son, was there any anything that you experienced that was not what you thought you would have yeah my my experience was I mean obviously I didn't you know 13 years ago now if I didn't know the things that I know now then um it could have been a different but I didn't have any thankfully I didn't have any hiccups or have any issues um with you know with the birthing progress and all but I do remember after words is that at that point I was a single parent so being able to come home, try to juggle all things, being a new mother, trying to figure out what are are we am I doing this thing right? You know, the whole checking and see of going and see if he's breathing, you know, and, and like, oh it's yeah. too quiet. Then you're driving yourself crazy with you know, with that. And then it's, you know, obviously getting up in the night. So having um a support to be able to have like if they had a doula set up or being able to have the the visits or phone call or whatever it may be set up afterwards probably would have been a great uh benefit to have i did have some days where i was i went to my parents house so i was able to get um kind of a reset and kind of jump started and, and help that way but obviously that's not the that's not the case for a lot of a lot of ladies so i think when it comes to like resources and being able to figure out government grants, people coming at programs, I think it probably needs to be something like, what can you do to follow high risk individuals and where we're having these healthcare disparities with having yeah. a doula that does the check, that does the check-ins. Yes. If it's, you know, popping by the house, if it's phone, if you don't hear from them, then being able to have that two week window set up for, yeah. um, you know, that follow-up care, for and maybe even beyond you know it's like two weeks you go a little bit more then you get into like two months and then six months follow that you follow a mom out for a full year too just yeah. like you know your your pediatrician visits so that that change has to occur with within that individuals and start making some changes within um the system and it definitely goes farther than just trying to throw all your employees into the diversity training and in healthcare disparities training for your one day seminar. And all right, now it's solved. Everybody's trained on it. Hmm. That's, that's not going to be it. I, and I would just say it's, um, whomever's listening, we're, no matter what background you have, we're, we're all a part of the systemic illness. 
and it's really um, Dr. Letitia and I have been friends for a long time and I'm so grateful to lean on her when I start there's just things like Dr. Letitia said I don't have to worry about and and I I feel like black women listening to this too I don't want you to feel because Dr. Letitia had a fair enough experience um but it can be fearful, and I, I think the biggest thing here is bringing up aware, awareness and not creating fear for you. But the biggest thing I always tell women is you've got to have someone on your side. You've got to ask for help, and you've got to have someone there advocating, particularly when you're in a position where you can't do it yourself. Um, and when you're really, really tired, like Dr. Letitia was a single mom, like you're so tired. You're like, I don't know. I just I don't even know how I made it to this appointment. But um, I've, you know, I reflecting on the clients I get to help are going to be women that don't just deliver babies, but I had a client post hysterectomy and, um, there was trauma. She was a a black woman and went home and she almost died from internal bleeding. And basically her gallbladder had exploded after having a hysterectomy and, um, she almost didn't make it. And she just kept saying like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And then after she lived, she had pain for several years and always was just told, you know, that's a normal part post-hysterectomy. And it, it was not. She couldn't have intimacy with their partner. She couldn't sit. She couldn't urinate. She couldn't poop. And people listening to this, like, if you're in her boat, pee, poop, and sexual health, these are all things we just take for granted. And when they all of a sudden don't work for us, it doesn't feel really good. And so... um you know, I think don't tough things out, don't push through pain and having someone on your side. And I think this episode's also just to bring awareness that we are not where we need to be yet in the United States. We're just not. Yeah, for sure. And there's some things that go like you just, you kind of touched on. It's like, I'm okay, but that's normal. The education and follow up and the support after hysterectomy, because there's a lot of ladies that that's the um, when you have the interest, you're talking about endometriosis and fibroids, which are very high incidence as well in, in black women. And a lot of times that starts very early. Like, oh, ever since my 20s, I've had super heavy periods and super painful. They were lasting for 22 days. Or whatever. It's like, no. Where did that occur that that was normal? It's just like, well, that's just kind of the way it, you know, that's the way it is. I got to suffer through it. I just, I just have kind of painful periods. That's part of it. And that's not you know, obviously you teach that and educate that all the time. That's not a normal part. So as that progresses on and on and damage continues to be done, no education, just thinking it's just normal, doctors or whoever not paying attention to them, then it gets to the point where that's the only thing they can do. Hysterectomy, go ahead and just take it all out after. (laughs) And then after that, what's the follow-up after that? Where's the education? Where are the tools? Uh, you know, where the things see about what's normal and what's abnormal. And I think a lot of times I can peek that to as a black woman myself is that we get caught up sometimes in that strong black woman. I can handle it. You know, I can do it. And we've had to handle it. So we've kind of had yes, to build up that exterior to be able to handle different challenges and things. But knowing that there's resources out there for you, you don't have to go at it alone. It's okay not to have all the answers and it's okay to definitely go ahead and, and seek out um, some help in knowing what's normal and what's abnormal. Yeah, and I know this was about you know postpartum, but um, the hysterectomy, that can be another episode because that is not the answer all of the time. 
and there is no typically from your surgeon guidelines except for rest for two weeks and you can go back to what you want to do so um, so anyways thank you for all for for joining us on this topic I think this is the end of Black History Month and we will continue to talk about these things all year long it's not just a month this is I think a special part of this podcast is that we come from same hometown the Midwest different family lives but also different different experiences based particularly on the color of our skin so I think it's really important just to for us to continue to have these real conversations and if you all are listening and, and might be pregnant or have a friend that's preg- you know pregnant right now I think making sure you ask us on our Instagram account make sure to follow us there um, there are doula web doula again is like a, a birth support there's birth doulas and postpartum doulas and um, we are hoping to interview someone that started a company for advocacy for black women postpartum and so uh, but feel free to reach out to us and ask us questions. We're here for you as a resource to to get you the help that you need. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Feel Better Naked Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at the Feel Better Naked Podcast, Dr. Jennifer at Regenerate Physio, and myself at Dr. Letitia PT. All that will be in the show notes. So we'll see you later. Until next time. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us today on our Real Conversations and Journey to Feeling Better Naked. I know there are a million other things you could be doing. Sending you all the love. Check out the show notes to grab any tidbits or tools that were discussed on the episode today and be sure to subscribe. You don't want to miss next week's episode. Remember, you are enough.